0: Welcome to the first episode of my 2023 season of The Politics of Everything. Today's topic is one close to my heart and, well, let's be honest, my business life. We are talking about the politics of media. My guest, Nick Hayes, knows the media game. He is a 20-year veteran of media with broad ranges of experience covering all aspects of the media cycle, from public relations, radio, TV, broadcasting, and media intelligence to now providing Australia's media with content expert talent. Nick launched Media Stable in 2012 and he recognised there was an increased pressure for producers and journalists to actually come together and there was a need for a different approach for businesses and experts to get their messages, stories and opinions in front of the media. Nick is a great connector and a true relationship builder and the success of Media Stable has been built on the strong ties and contacts he has developed and nurtured along his two decades of media industry experience. The media landscape has changed so much in the past two decades and what worked in 2003 is not likely to lead to coverage in 2023 however some hard and fast rules still apply whenever we engage with journalists producers and editors so let's find out more welcome to the politics of everything nick
1: oh amber thank you so much and to be your first show for 2023 there's no pressure on me here but i'm hoping it's going to be the best
0: yeah i hope so too Podcasting remotely can be challenging but it doesn't have to be. Since day one of the politics of everything I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one solution to make the process quick and painless the way it should be for those of us who just love great content and want to get our ideas out into the world. If you know me I'm obsessed with quality in terms of my guests, my sound and everything about my show has to be great the first time. I'm time Paul. It's so easy to use Zencastr. I'm not tech savvy and you don't need to be either. There's nothing to download. Just click on the link and off we go. Zencastr is all about making your podcasting experience easy. And with everything from local recording to automate post productions now in their toolkit, you don't have to leave your browser to get that episode done and done fast. I have a special offer for you, and I hopefully you can experience what I have with Zencaster. Go to zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my VIP code, the politics of everything, all lowercase in one word, to get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. How good is that? I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So let's go back to young Nick as a kid. Did you want to be a journal or something when you were a kid? What did you think you might do when you grew up and kind of did you do that thing?
1: I didn't. I had journalism media wasn't even on the, uh, that was not even looking out there at at, at any outlook for me at all, really. I was, I wanted to be a police officer and that was, I thought was my goal. I did get there. I, I joined the police force, Victorian police force in 1995. I was in, squad one at the academy but unfortunately I only lasted 12 weeks because straight after we had just finished our exam week uh, the whole squad went out for a few drinks and I was a bit of a naughty boy that night. You let go. So uh, a little DUI (laughs) incident and I figured you know what Amber I'm not quite right to be a police officer if I'm doing this in the academy then what am I likely to do when I get out so uh, yeah I, I gave up on that but media was, was was my secondary subject as part of my Bachelor of Arts. It was my minor. I was doing psychology at university. And I just loved it. It was the recording, the telling of stories, the, the different mediums, radio, television, and, and in and in the nineties, you know, television and radio was everything. To to us, it was just it's where you got absolutely everything. And I loved being a part of it. And what what quickly happened at university was I I, I turned that minor into a major and then that's what it all, that's where it all started.
0: Excellent. So you, when you started Media Stable a decade ago now, there was obviously that gap we mentioned in the introduction that you were trying to fill. I imagine you've had to sort of keep on your toes a bit though, because nothing's static in in business, in life, in media. How has it changed over the past decade in your experience?
1: Oh, look, the Media Stable, the business that I created 10 years ago, looks nothing like it does today. And I think anyone that's listening knows that when they first launch out their business and start it up, it's, it, it's got to be changing. It's, it's a it's a forever uh, moving machine that needs to to adapt to the environment and to the, the requirements of your customers and your clients. And uh, originally, when we started Media Stable, the whole idea was to be just a directory directory a directory that media could search up and find experts. In fact, I almost wanted it to be just myself and maybe another colleague running the show and thinking that this was it, this is it, no more, nothing more required. It would just be purely a directory. But what we found that people needed support, they needed help, they needed training. You know this better than anyone, Amber, the, the kind of work that's behind the scenes when you're creating and building stories for for, for telling. It's, it's, it's enormous and then there was the other element that we also too needed to support the media and the media wasn't ever going to pay for this content, but it needed help because a lot of the, the producers, a lot of the journalists that were working 10, 15, 20 years ago, the numbers have got smaller. The financial support has got shorter as well. So there was a lot of people that needed help and support. So the first thing that we thought with Media Stable was just going to be a pure, purely a directory but now it's a, a sort of an all-encompassing content creator, expert support, media training right through to the introduction of content to media right across the country and then also to a little bit of support for the aftermath after you've done the interview, amplifying those stories through your different networks. It's, uh, it's a very, very big machine now. It was nothing what I thought it would be from the very beginning.
0: Well, well done to making it to 10 years. I think what the average business is between two and five before people kind of, you know, either exit or have to exit. So uh, I think that's a big achievement in itself. I guess what I'd love to know is what are some of the hardest things about that 24-7 media cycle we're in and we're of a similar vintage, Nick. And look, in the 90s when I was a journalist, for example, you know, I filed my story at two or three o'clock the day before. I worked for what was then Fairfax Newspapers. I'm now nine newspapers at the AFR. And really the next day that story came out, but I had to, you know, go to the proofreaders, the sub-editors. Then it went out to the printing press in Chalora and that newspaper came out the next day and it was old news in some ways. And so, you know, even though it was a bit stressful because we had harder deadlines, there was a filing deadline as a journalist, What it also meant was there was a bit of breathing space and I suppose I see that has shifted completely. You know, if we looked at, we jumped on that, you know, Sydney Morning Herald website or Nine News this morning, you would actually see different stories now than I would have at 5am when I jumped in because the the media cycle is always evolving and moving and breaking news is happening all the time. I'm curious to know that, you know, the audience obviously demands how that's going to be curated and executed in the future. We're also doing less screen time now than we were, say, maybe a year or two ago when we were coming out of lockdowns. And you're in WA, so you had a lot of lockdown time there. I am feeling like people have a bit of, you know, screen and content fatigue. So what are you thinking of some of the shifts that we see as we come into that, you know, post-COVID, living with COVID world and the media?
1: It's such a it, that's a really strong question. I, I think that and and it's bringing out the crystal ball as to what it's going to look like. I, I think that the hardest thing about the twenty four seven news cycle and for both the consumer is the amount of content that is out there. There is just so much news. There is so much information, and, and you know, you'd almost you would go insane trying to consume it all. So I think that's one of the the great challenges for the twenty four seven news cycle is that. How does a media outlet still capture the attention of its audience? And let's remember that media is just uh, serving its audience at all times, and it has been doing it from day one, and it will do it till the end of days. It's trying to make sure that it is still relevant and that it's trusted and that it's the kind of news that people need, not always necessarily want. And I think that's the biggest challenge there for the 24-7 news cycle is how to keep up and how to make sure that it's still relevant to its audience. From an audience perspective, though, uh, yeah, Amber, it's really one of those things where there is just so much competition for our ears, our eyes, and to take in all of that content that it it is very much something that everyone has to take a, a conscious effort into actually working out, well, where will I get my sources of news? Where will I get my information from? And that 24-7 news cycle is, is basically telling everyone, look, we will tell you as it's happening. And a little different, obviously, back to the days when you were working there, Amber, that that one story that you'd file away and and it's locked away and done, that's job done. No, the journalists today, they are up first thing in the morning until they jump into bed uh, monitoring and keeping an eye on what is happening around the world so that they can be and have to be a part of the 24-7 news cycle. You miss the story, you're out. You know, you no longer become valid or relevant because that is old news. That's yesterday's news. And the platforms that we've got at the moment are, are really making a, a very hard task for journalists. But also, too, you'll remember, too, and you you still have this in you, is that you also have an appetite to be a news teller, a storyteller. And and staying on top of this thing is not just necessarily work. It's, it's what's inside you. It's part of who you are, the very DNA as a journalist, is to want to tell the story and be the first to tell it. So that does make it quite exciting for for journalists out there and for media out there to work with it. But, look, I think as challenges go and for the fact that, you know, we are probably, you know, not as tied down to it as we were during the COVID period, you you look back at uh, the COVID period, uh, 3AW Ross and Russell almost scored 30 points for radio ratings, which is just phenomenal considering you know they are at the highest level of 2021 at the moment and that's record-breaking anyway at that but to be 30 points we were going to traditional media radio television print and online media for our news and information and that i think is probably something there that that uh, media can feel very proud that sometimes they are competing against all of the online the social media platforms but we still go back to them. Uh, We still go back to the traditional media and that 24-7 news cycle to find out what's real news so that we can work out what's
0: fake. And that's an interesting point. I think a lot of people, particularly, I don't want to be too generational about it, but there is a bias, I suppose, that you know, a younger cohort of audiences, if you like, they trust sources, which we would see as unvetted as moving into the the land of, you know, bloggers or influencers, which is all great and has a place. But I always try and explain to people, journalism has a different standard, you working to a code of ethics, you may not agree with the story that's being told or the angle that's been taken, because there is, of course, inherent bias and, and lots of ways in which media is presented from, you know, a channel point of view, you get left wing and right wing you know, newspapers and radio shows and all the bits in between. But at the end of the day, it has been verified that source exists. It's not just hearsay. And I think that's the value of media which people maybe are coming back to because we had to rely on that during COVID, for example. You know, for us in New South Wales, the 11 a.m. press conference was kind of like compulsory viewing. It reminded me of being a kid and hearing the nine news, six o'clock music and running to the living room to see Brian Henderson, like it was that level of command. And I think that's the power which media still has.
1: I I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, your point around younger people taking in news from their other platforms, that's the challenge that media has today is that they've got to win their trust. They've got to win the fact that it, it is highly competitive and a younger audience isn't necessarily going to take in what they're being told they're going to look they're going to search they're going to find we were all young ones amber <laughs> we, we, we know what that's like and you know when they buy their first car and buy their first house and etc then they very quickly revert back to traditional media and news because that's the trusted place to go but we were all you know looking for different means and different forms of communication and to get news in a different way but that that is one big challenge. I, I think that you know traditional media and its position it, it has had a renaissance period during the COVID pandemic and and also too during any sort of major crisis that might be going around the country. We we don't go to Facebook to find out what's going on. We go to the trusted sources. We chuck on two GB to find out what's going on. Talking, you know, listening to Ben Fordham, three AW Neil Mitchell, or you know, we go to the major mastheads around the country to read because they've got the four pillars of journalism. We know that we know that there's bias. Bias is everywhere, but we also know that they've got a responsibility and they are also regulated. That's the thing.
0: Yeah, it's not just um, opinion because I think I know I'm fatigued of, you know, echo chambers of opinion and I think it has a place but it's exhausting and sometimes it doesn't allow you to challenge what your own thoughts are and, you know, where you get, if you like, the facts that you need to make informed decisions.
1: Spot on. Spot on. And, and that, those echo chambers, I think that, you know, social media has been called out big time on all of this. That's where the influencers, that's where the the people that are running around that might, you know, they might have a position. Is it the right one? Mm, question that. But again, it's intelligence. The audience at the other end has to have all of the facts in front of them and, and be able to make that right kind of decision and go with their particular lifestyle, go with their particular view, as long as they've got all the facts there. And I don't necessarily think you get that through social media. Traditional media, far more of it. You've got a lot more chances of being able to formulate a very strong opinion or position with the facts and news around you. And, and, and I'm all for that. I'm all for everyone having a say and having a position. But I think sometimes on social media, there's a lot of loud voices from those that potentially shouldn't have had a voice in the first
0: place. So, just focusing a little bit on social media, I mean, a lot of people have, you know, preferred channels and preferred people they follow and all those sorts of things. It does interrupt that yes, that that media source and that authority, perhaps the fourth estate that traditional media always played, if you like, in our society. Do you think it can also complement it or are they really different beasts? What's your sort of view on the interplay between how social media works? Noting, of course, major news organisations also have their own social media. You know, they tweet, they put things on Facebook, they do all that stuff as well.
1: Oh, they do, and and they and they see it as a very important part of what they do today, and I and I think that's critical. Uh, and but I love social media. I think it's one of the greatest discoveries that we've had in the last twenty years, where you know the ability to share and to bring the, an international community into a very small backyard. It's such a great opportunity to share some wonderful stories and, and do some amazing things. I, I, I truly do love it. But it has its dark side and its negative side as well. And I think it also, too, does get hijacked by those that have a position or a view that might not make and would be very much filtered out, for instance, for traditional media because you know that news not isn't necessarily actually newsworthy or it might have a a very negative, dark tone to it that is trying to put down a, a person's beliefs or uh, religious beliefs, or it's uh, become racist, etc. It's it's just that kind of thing that it just doesn't have a filter. Traditional media has that, but
0: yeah, the filters is a really important piece of it. I think.
1: Oh, I, I think it's critical, and it's and I, I think. You know, look, younger people might be taken in by the social media platforms, the TikToks, the Instas, and all of the kind of things that Snapchat that is running around, and they're, they're that they're using.
0: They're so ch- shiny and instant. I think that sort of speaks to the generation well, that we're talking but is, about. But that was as well. us too, Amber. That was us as well. <laughs> I just forget. You know, I feel like I was never young. No, I don't really. I'm young at heart. I promise.
1: We, we were the first generation to get mobile phones. We were playing Snake on our mobile phones. We weren't watching videos from influencers in the United States trying to flog coffee beans or, or the like it's it's no you know what it's just us it's just developing but I think that the shiny things do take away they, they go away as we mature and and become far more settled as as humans and we 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 seek the truth and we don't necessarily just want to be sitting there watching screens and being entertained with mindless tiktoks it's uh it's 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 definitely a, it's, it's definitely an age thing but that maturity does come into to people's lives and we, we seek that out but we always are, I think, as human beings just seeking out the truth anyway.
0: What trends in media are you seeing at the moment being the beginning of the year? I think people like to have, you know, a bit of an idea perhaps of some media goals or some ideas that, you know, we know what sort of has worked in the past but what are you seeing at the moment that might actually shape maybe not just this year but the next couple of years in media?
1: Oh, great question. And I, I love this because we're always watching the different trends that are, are running around. So during COVID, you would have noticed that a lot of television, a lot of media, very much the, the where we are watching, there was a lot of crosses, whether it be via Zoom, all the other different platforms, where we're even what we're doing here right now, using technology, doing it from home, doing it off site, we could do it anywhere. If you're running around with a mobile phone, you're almost a studio and a media house yourself. And uh, we're going to see less of that moving forward because the quality of media is, is, is returning. And I think that's the big thing for, for everyone that is even involved in social media, traditional media. It's one thing to put content out there, but the difference is the quality of it. So at Meet the Media, for which you were at last year with us, Amber, uh, a lot of television people were telling us, you know, that's the end of the cross via Zoom you'll be needed to come into the studio.
0: Thank goodness. I have to tell you, I didn't want to see anyone's um, pot plants coming out of their head, <laughs> looking up their nose, or bad lighting. What? And- <laughs> see, old, old media people never really stop looking at those we things. Don't. <laughs>
1: and it did create some humorous pieces where, you know, children walking in, in the middle of international news stories or, you know, cats and dogs coming in and interrupting an, an interview. But we did that out of necessity and that's probably the exactly. beautiful thing about media is that it's adapts with everything that goes on and it wants to bring the story but we're going to see less of that for sure i think we're also going to see a lot more media playing a bigger role in the traditional media for sorry in the social media forums they already do they're on yeah as you said they're on twitter they're on instagram they're on facebook but they they're going to play a bigger role there i suspect that they're watching how their audiences are consuming content and they've seen where they're getting it from, but they're going to play even a bigger role moving forward. And because that's the number one thing about traditional media, they are looking to service the very audience that they have and they'll do anything to do that. And sometimes they'll do it even to the Absolutely. detriment to their own story, but they will get there and they'll they'll, they'll play a bigger role in social, me- social media.
0: What's your favourite media type and why? Or is that kind of like choosing favourite children? You can't really do it. Uh,
1: well, look, I've got two children. I do have a favourite, Amber, but uh, I won't say it on the podcast. No, I love
0: it's whichever one sleeps in the most. I've decided. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, oh,
1: I love all forms of media. I love all forms of communication. But if I was to, I, I was to pick my favourite, it's radio. I think. that's
0: well, perfect for today. Oh, it
1: is, and you know. We, we have the absolute pleasure of being in the ears of your listeners today, and I don't take that for granted. I think the fact that you're telling a story, you're walking them through uh, through just a form of audio, and to be able to listen in and, and find out and, and get a sense around that, I, I just think that's the, one of the most powerful tools. The fact that you can do it whether you're going for a run, for all those people going for a run right now, well done you. But if you're uh, you know going into going into work, you're driving home from work or you're going out to get the shopping and you're listening to this podcast, you can do it while you're doing other things. And that's the beauty of it. And look, I think Talkback Radio particularly is the very first form of social media. It's where conversations and opinions and position are sort of belted out there. And I think it's very entertaining. It's very informative and incredibly powerful.
0: Have you advised people to measure their kind of return on investment when it comes to media? I mean, back in the old days in when I worked in PR agencies, you know, you'd have your advertising equivalent, which doesn't really mean much these days in a, in a very disrupted media advertising landscape. What do you say to people? Is it about your downloads? Is it about your eyeballs? Is it about converting that into business success and I'm going to give you the example where you've got I've had clients who they have got so many followers on a particular platform of social media and they've not made one sale and it's like what is that like what a waste of your time you know they oh but it takes time it's like but how much money and effort and time are you putting into creating this content what's your measure for media success
1: so there is no exact measure so anyone that's trying to say that this is what you should be measuring against, it's all very subjective. Everyone's going to have different goals and different aims. My big thing, my big one is, and I think the greatest reward you get from engaging the media and being a media asset, an expert, a commentator, is when you do walk into a room, someone you've never met, you they seek you out or they come to you and say, I loved your position in the Sydney Morning Herald. I love what you wrote about this topic. I loved what you had to say on 2GB or on on 5AA or, or 6PR. That is the greatest compliment I think you can get because what you have actually created there is trust. You have created a position there as, a, as an authority and you have someone that is commenting on your words, not on someone else's. So I think that's the first for me is the first sign of success, the first measurement that you can say that you've 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 given a bit of ROI there. Look, sure, we want sales. We want to expand our businesses. We, we want to get lots more click throughs, et cetera. But it, and we, we want to make more money. But at the end of the day, I, I really, truly believe if you are engaging media, if you are keen to be an expert in it, it's more about establishing trust and, and, and authority as that expert in your space and when people know that they are going to be your best assets they're going to be your promoters they're going to be your amplifiers so to me that's a measure of success that's what you're looking for
0: it comes down to trust which is kind of what we've been talking about throughout this conversation today I think absolutely so changing tack a bit I always mix up my questions every season I'm in question 8 you're my my first guinea pig for this one what is the best advice you were ever given and why
1: I've been given much advice, Amber, much advice across my 25 years in business. And I I still think my absolute number one best piece of advice comes from my father. And uh, I still remember him saying this to me. He just said, Nick, never be afraid to ask for what is rightfully yours. And I think that just applies across everything. Whether someone hasn't paid their bill or whether you're seeking out uh, particular content or information or anything along those kind of lines. It just, it just says, never be afraid, never doubt yourself. Cause I think in business, when you're, you're starting out, you, you're not a professional or expert in anything. You, you, you know, you we, in any small business, you're, you're the accountant, you're the illegal advice, you're the, you know, you're the mentor, you're the guide, you're the, you're the CEO, you're everything. And I, I just think it, it just reminds me never be afraid and never question yourself. If it's a gut feel, go and do it go and ask for it go and make sure that it is yours and do it so that that's, that's always been my advice. best best advice and the other one also can I share another one with you oh you can
0: sneak another one another in, one
1: quickly here. from my my mentor Peter Marr from my media monitoring days always surround yourself with good people and uh, good things will come
0: absolutely that's great life advice really if we spoke again in a year's time what would be your number one goal to have achieved and why
1: To have dropped 12 kilos, Amber. and uh, Personal
0: goals. That's good.
1: Well, personal health goals. Look, I think COVID sort of threw us around a little bit, didn't it? So um, I did chuck an extra couple of kilos on and uh, I would like to get back into some of my older suits. But look, I I, I think personally building and continuing to develop the Media Stable brand, as I'm speaking to you now, I'm in South Australia. I've just opened an office here uh, just uh, only this week. And it's a You're
0: bit- in Radelaide. I'm
1: in Radelaide And so we are now in Radelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, Perth. Uh, coming to you Brisbane yes we are and uh, yeah that- <laughs> and maybe
0: overseas for any of my listeners that are overseas, well, the overseas have about hey, UK, 20% of people from overseas dialing in well
1: watch out for the UK because it's coming and we're already in discussions over there as well so it's it's exciting I love it I'm, and um, I feel like
0: global domination's the goal
1: well uh, maybe not just global but maybe a good part of uh, Europe and, and owning Australia is my big thing
0: Excellent. Final takeaway message for us today on the politics of media as we wrap up our conversation.
1: Be a part of the media. whether Whoever you are who's listening today, don't be afraid. Get yourself up there. Become a media asset. Uh, represent your brand. Represent yourself. But give back. The more you give, the more you give in media, more will come back. And that might be the answer to your return on investment. But be available. Be the media asset. And don't be afraid. It's... It's probably one of the great experiences that you'll ever have because you're going to become part of your industry, part of the, the future, the thinking of what your business and industry is going to. And, and media is such a great platform for that. Just be a part of it.
0: And it's lots of fun. People often don't believe me when I'm doing media train. They're going to have a fun day, but it's a lot of fun, isn't it, Nick? Well, it if, is if so you do much well.
1: fun. It is so much fun. Yeah. And and but when we get when we get to do another meet the media, you, you get to see what how much fun it actually is because the media love this as well.
0: Yeah, that's it. We
1: we, we don't feel like we worked a day in our lives when you're working in the media, and, and you can come and be a part of it.
0: Excellent. Well, if you do want to connect further with Nick Hayes and find out more about Media Stable, there will be some details on the show notes. Until next time, take care. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks, Amber. If you're interested in investing in the future of podcasting, I have an opportunity which might interest you. Zencaster has been my platform of choice since I began recording the politics of everything in 2017. They now have an opportunity to join in their crowdfunding action. So I want you to jump on and have a look at wefunder.com forward slash Zencaster. That is W E F U N D E R.com forward slash Zencaster and see if this is an opportunity which might interest you. What I love about Zencaster is you can record, produce, host, analyse and monetize all in one platform. I think it's a great chance for you to have a look at if this something might interest you. If you want to invest, jump on. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed The Politics of Everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.